This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. But decide what's feasible. If you've got a lot of things going on in your life and you don't want to take this on, maybe partnering with somebody makes sense. But if you got the time and you want to do it, go for it. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today... We're going to answer two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. We had more questions this month than we normally do, so I figured why not have some fun and answer them. Adam and Rachel reached out to me on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Andy Hill MKM, and they had some great ones. So Adam wants to know about investing without a financial advisor, and Rachel is curious about the best way to save for their home down payment. All right, let's jump into today's show. Our first question comes in from Adam from Tampa. Andy, I have a hard question for you. For most of my life, I've been told where and what to do with my money. I had a family member work for Morgan Stanley, and he invested for us for years. Last year, we had some issues within the family and decided to part ways. My wife and I quickly decided to go with another guy who does good, but the last email was life insurance focused. The main question is, I want to handle all this on my own. I feel like I can't teach my kids what is best without knowing. Any advice? Thank you, Adam. Adam, thanks so much for reaching out. This is definitely a tough question, a hard question, as you said. And it sounds like a situation I found myself in about eight or nine years ago, too. I wanted to invest for the future, but I didn't know much about investing. I got hooked up with an investment broker that ended up having really high fees, and he didn't have our best interest at heart. Based on that experience, I wanted to learn as much as possible about investing so I would never get burned again. That's part of the reason I started this podcast, honestly, to learn, grow, and help my family get to the next level. So I'm going to share with you seven thoughts that I have regarding your situation based on my experience. So here we go. Number one, consider a fee-only certified financial planner. Before you dive headfirst into the world of investing, Adam, please consider looking at a different type of financial advisor first. It sounds like you've been suspicious, burned, or otherwise uncomfortable with the investment advisors you've met with so far. Fee-only certified financial planners are a bit different from other financial advisors. They have signed a fiduciary oath and are legally and ethically bound to ensure your interests are put above their own. Additionally, they're not in the business of selling products like whole life insurance because they are only paid through the fee you pay them. Now, to test the waters, you could set up a free consultation call with a potential advisor from partners like Facet Wealth. I've had them on the show. They are a reputable source for financial planning or XY Planning Network. This is a great network that is focused on this fee-only model. And hopefully one of these partners will restore your hope 
in financial advising. Even though they're fee-only financial planners, make sure to ask questions about how they are paid and how the fee structure works. If you don't feel like the person you're working with has your best interest at heart, keep moving along. This is your life savings we're talking about here. Number two, read a few books about investing and personal finance. Whether you decide to go with a fee-only financial advisor or go it alone, I believe it's smart to educate yourself on investing so you can make informed decisions for the betterment of your family. Here are five books that have helped me become a better investor. The first one, The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. Now, this book was written in 1926, and it was based on parables from 8,000 years ago. So even though it sounds super ancient, The Richest Man in Babylon has principles that hold true today. It's a refreshing and fun personal finance read, and it's more of a story than a how-to nonfiction book. The second one, The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. So in this book, David Bach shares some great strategies on becoming a millionaire the simple and easy way. He touches on the importance of automation and how not overthinking it can help you succeed with your money. The third one, The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas J. Stanley. So this book dispels the myths of what it takes to become a millionaire. The philosophies in the book help people stay the course and achieve real wealth. The fourth book is Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Now, he's one of my favorite authors and speakers, and he just gets me fired up, man. He's got this monster book. It's it's pretty thick, and he tackles investing, personal finance, by interviewing these top investors and billionaires to find out their secrets for financial success. The last one, number five here, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Now, investing can appear very confusing for a lot of people. It, it, and I think it's feel like, I feel like it's set up that way sometimes, right? J.L. Collins, the author of this book, he creates a simpler path for readers of this book to break down the complex topics and just make them a lot easier to understand. He explores the success and simplicity of index funds and how they can give you a very successful portfolio. Now, those are five books. I've read them all. I like them. They're great. But they aren't going to give you an answer on how you should invest, right? They're going to give you an understanding of different strategies and principles that you can consider. But with this knowledge, you can now have more engaged conversations with a fee-only financial advisor, or if you don't want to use an advisor, you'll feel more equipped to invest on your own. And if you prefer to listen to your books, like uh, this podcast you're listening to right now, instead of reading them, you can try Audible. I've got a link, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Audible that you can use and you can get your first 30 days for free. I use Audible. I like it. It helps me stay on top of books because, man, I got little kids and I don't have a lot of time during the day to read. So Audible has been a great way for me to stay on top of some great books. Number three... Choose a low-cost brokerage firm. Now, if you decide to go it alone, Adam, consider a low-cost brokerage firm like Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab. 
Now, these companies all have low fees and a huge selection of investing options to choose from. In fact, these three are in such competition with each other that there's like this fee war going on right now, and the consumer is winning. They're battling each other for who can provide the lowest fees to investors, with some going completely to a no-fee model for ETFs and index funds. And that just means more return for you and less fees, which is great. It's good for the consumer. Now, I've used Vanguard for years, and before that, I was with Fidelity. So both of those companies have great customer service and they are more than willing to help you get started with investing. You can just give them a call and get started. Number four, take advantage of target date funds and index funds. Now, if you're not sure where to start, utilizing a target date fund with a partner like Vanguard gets you good diversification and low fees. So this is a quick and easy way to invest by yourself if you decide to go that route. Now, there are definitely some pros and cons to target date funds, and you want to research that a little bit. And all target date funds are not the same. Depending on where you invest, the fees can be a lot higher. So check out the fees associated with the target date fund you're considering and compare it to other low-cost brokerage firms to make sure you're getting a good deal. Additionally, index funds, index funds, these are great. They help you keep the fees low, and they can diversify your holdings across major market indices like the S&P 500 or Russell 2000. So by investing in major indices like this, you can track the market and invest in top performing companies. So you've seen how there's been a big bull market run over the past oh, 10 years now, and the S&P 500 has gone skyrocketing, right? So instead of trying to choose which stocks are going to do the best or you know, trying to beat the market, you can just be the market, right? So if you invest in S&P 500 or these other indices like Russell 2000, that way you can track the market instead of trying to beat it out. And, you know, a lot of times people lose out trying to do that. So, and there is also index funds for bonds and uh, real estate as well, like a REIT index fund. So great ways to diversify and great ways to track the market. So number five, speaking of diversify, diversify your portfolio. Depending on a multitude of factors like your age, your assets, your liabilities, your income, and general goals for life, which is a lot of information I don't have about you, Adam, you're going to want an investment portfolio to be very diversified. That way, your eggs, you know how that, that saying goes, your eggs aren't all in one basket. So some areas to consider for diversification are stocks, bonds, real estate. You can do it through real uh, real estate investment trusts, REITs, uh, or cash for that matter. So even within those categories, there's ways to break it down even further. So for example, you could have international stocks and US-based stocks. So yeah, stocks is one category, but under that, there are international stocks, US-based stocks. And then you could even... Go even further under U.S.-based stocks, right? You can invest in small cap, mid cap, large cap. You're going to want to have some good diversification. So how much should you do? Again, totally depends on your situation. So make sure you're talking to somebody that you can trust about your specific situation instead of some dude in his basement doing a podcast. But a simple rule of thumb for stocks and bonds is 120 minus your age should be your stock percentage. So 120 minus my age is 82. 
So that's 82% stocks and then 18% bonds. I like to add some real estate into the portfolio as well to diversify it even more. So that works for me. It might not work for you. You got to figure out what works best for you. But the percentage breakdown that I'm currently doing for my retirement, I've got about 60% large cap, US-based, and 10% international stocks, 10% mid cap, small cap, and then 10% bonds, and then 10% REITs. So that's 60 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10. Yeah, that's 100%. (laughs) I just want to make sure I didn't go to 110% there. Uh, But as I get older, I'm going to increase my bond holdings as bonds are typically a less volatile investment. So you got to keep tracking things and making sure that makes sense for you and your situation. Because as I get older, I want to make my portfolio more conservative so my money doesn't go, you know, disappear in a big market crash right before I'm ready to retire, right? So that is a little bit about how you can diversify your portfolio. And then a lot of that information I shared, Adam, is specifically for me. And again, make sure you know what's best for you. Number six, make sure to rebalance your portfolio. So rebalancing is super important and it can be really crucial to a successful portfolio. So let's talk a little bit about what we just referred to there. So for example, let's say you decide 90% stocks and 10% bonds is your the way you want to go, right? Over time, especially if the stock market keeps crazy, you know, rising like it has been, your portfolio may start to look a little bit more like 95% stocks and 5% bonds. So at that point, you need to sell off some of your stocks and purchase more bonds to get back to that 90-10 portfolio. So in order to do this, you're going to have to remind yourself, right? So set a reminder to rebalance annually or twice a year. And this way you are making sure your plan that you set originally is still in place. And there are great partners like Bloom that help you to do this uh, for a cost and keep you on track. So, and some of the robos do this as well. So if you work with a robo advisor, that helps to uh, rebalance things and, and just make it simple for you. Number seven, get automatic with your investments. Once you have your plan set, set up recurring investments on a monthly basis so your balance continues to skyrocket, right? By purchasing new index funds repeatedly, you're taking advantage of dollar cost averaging. That's when you're buying individually throughout the year at certain times. That way you are are not sort of mistiming the market like, like things have gone up and you only buy when it's really high versus when it's gone down. This way you're taking advantage of the different times in the market and buying incrementally throughout the year. So it's a great way to go. And you're also removing emotion out of the, of the equation, right? So you're not saying, oh, well, maybe I should probably buy. Things seem to be going up quite a bit. By doing this automatic investing, you're just, you're removing that. You're just deciding in advance that you want to grow your investment portfolio throughout the year and just remove the emotion out of it. And you want to rebalance periodically like we talked about, but essentially doing this automatic investing helps you just kind of set it and forget it. Over time, your investments are going to start to grow and grow and grow. I sort of did this sort of set and forget it kind of thing with my 401k in 2013. I maxed it out. I got the employer match. I found these low cost index funds 
and diversified based on what I talked about. And it went from $0 to almost $200,000 in about seven years. And that is making me feel really good as I head into you know, the next couple of decades where I want to retire. So I'm going to let that keep growing, follow the same methodology. And it's just a good way to set it and forget it. Right. So Adam, I hope these seven thoughts I have regarding your situation are helpful. Let's recap them here. Number one, consider a fee only financial advisor. Number two, read a few books about investing and personal finance. Number three, choose a low cost brokerage firm. Number four, take advantage of target date funds and index funds. Number five, diversify your portfolio. Number six, make sure to rebalance your portfolio. And then number seven, get automatic with your investments. Now, Adam, I will say it again at the end of the show, and I'm going to say it now. I am not a financial professional, so take my advice with a huge, huge, huge grain of salt. You and your financial advisor know your situation better than I do. So just saying it there. (laughs) And if you don't trust or like the financial advisor you have today, try to find one that feels like a partner instead of a salesman. If you have the time though, and the interest and the drive, you can definitely invest by yourself, but decide what's feasible and smart. If you've got a lot of things going on in your life and you don't want to take this on, maybe partnering with somebody makes sense. But if you got the time and you want to do it, go for it, right? I hope these seven steps give you an idea of where you can go with your investing future. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 
to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Our second question comes in from Rachel from Chicago. Hey, Andy, my husband and I are trying to save for a down payment on a house. We are pretty good at living within our means. Any advice on how to make this easier, smarter, more fun? (laughs) From Rachel. Great question, Rachel. Saving up for a home down payment can feel like maybe it takes forever, right? Especially if you live in a high cost of living city like Chicago. Your patience is going to pay off though, my friend. With a bigger down payment, you'll be able to have a much lower monthly mortgage payment and just a little bit more freedom in your life. Here are 10 steps to help you save up for your next home down payment. Number one, create a savings goal. It's hard to save up for a home down payment if you don't know how much you're supposed to save, right? (laughs) Let's say you're shopping in the $300,000 range for a new home. Go for a down payment of 20% or more. This is going to help you avoid private mortgage insurance. PMI, you might have heard that term before. This is an additional lender fee that you definitely want to avoid. If you dip below 20% on your down payment, not only will your monthly mortgage payment be higher, but the PMI could be upwards of 1% of your loan. So if you only put 10% down for this $300,000 home we're talking about, you would owe an additional $225 per month or $2,700 annually. And that doesn't go towards the principal or anything. It just goes back to the mortgage company. If you go with the 20% down idea, you're going to avoid the PMI. And that simple math lets us know that we need a $60,000 down payment. So let's start saving, right? Number two, develop a budget. If you're not already managing your cash flow each month, consider developing a budget so you can plan ahead. With this new goal of saving for a home down payment, your advanced thinking is going to make this process a lot easier. Your budget should include your monthly take-home pay and all of your typical monthly expenses. If it's your first time budgeting, Rachel it might take you a few months to get it right. Over time, it'll feel like an old, easy habit. To make the process easier, consider using a budget app like Mint. We have used Mint for almost a decade, and it's helped us save a lot. It's helped us do some really important things for our family, like saving up for our first home down payment. Number three, decide how much you can save each month. Once you review your full budget, you'll be able to see how much you can actually save each month towards your down payment. Let's say you find that you have $1,000 extra each month that can go towards your $60,000 down payment. That means you'll hit your goal in five years time. $1,000 a month times 12, that's 12,000 times five, that gets you to $60,000. Now, if you feel like five years is too long to wait, well... Let's see what we can do to speed it up. Number four, reduce your joyless spending. While it would be quick to give up things like your daily coffee or 
eating out for lunch with friends. Let's take a look at reducing your expenses so that you can hit your goal of less than five years, but then it also doesn't like steal all your joy, right? So here are a couple areas that we've looked at as a family that have helped us to save money and hasn't really, you know, affected our, our happiness. Homeowners and auto insurance. So if you have a car, you definitely need auto insurance. Very important. Don't get rid of that. And the same goes for your homeowner's insurance. But you don't need to overspend on them, right? Consider bundling your home and auto insurance together and negotiating with your current provider. Now, if they don't give you a good deal or a reduced price, if you say, hey, man, we're just looking to save a little bit of money on our home and auto insurance, what can you do to help us out? If you don't feel like you're getting a deal, shop around to some other insurance partners who will give you a deal. There are so many of them. Competition is fierce. So look look into it, find a better price, and switch. Sometimes you got to switch every couple of years to get the good deal too. So uh, another thing you could do is negotiate your cable bill. So the cable bill, you see it going up each year, right? Does it go up, up, up? If it does, take some time to negotiate a better rate, just like the home and auto insurance, or you got to switch to another provider, right? With all the entertainment options out there, it might make sense to cut the cord on cable altogether. If you got the Netflix and the Hulu and all these other things, just kind of look at all those things and say, which ones are we actually using and get rid of the ones you're not. All right, and the last one here, switch to an MVNO cell phone plan. So this is something that Nicole and I did, I think earlier this year, no, uh, late last year, we switched to essentially a prepaid plan with Verizon, MVNO, I guess that's the the term. I have no idea what that means. But (laughs) essentially, you are prepaying your bill instead of paying it after you've utilized it. Now with this, you have to, you know, pay off your phone or not be making payments on your phone. But this helped us to save about 30 bucks per month. So that's what, $360 per year. All this, all these little things can help to make your savings on the down payment a lot easier. So after tackling some of these joyless spending areas, you can definitely look at the top major areas that you have in your budget. And after you've made that budget, you'll see what they are. But most of the time for a lot of families, it's housing, transportation, and food right? So you're talking about housing, you're considering getting another place, maybe that's not an area to consider. But transportation, you know, yeah, there's lots of things you can do to reduce your spending on your cars. Food is a good one to take a look at. You could switch to Aldi and you could save a couple hundred bucks a month. That might be a way to save a little bit of money as well. Number five, automate your savings. Once you've found a reasonable monthly savings goal, make it automatic. Just like we talked about with Adam earlier, make it automatic. Partner up with a good online bank that offers a high yield savings account. I like Ally. I've been with them for about three years and they've got a good competitive rate, but there's also a ton of other banks out there that are online that are giving you a really good interest rate on your money. A lot better than the brick and mortar bank that you have down the street. And some of them are even giving cash bonuses for new customers. So I'll put a link in the show notes of the show for you to check out. So consider some of those. After you have your partner determined, set up a recurring deposit each month from your checking account to your new online savings account. This way, you're setting it and forgetting it. And with the higher interest rate you're going to be receiving from your online savings account, you're going to get there even faster before you know it you're going to have that 60K waiting for you. 
And it's also good to have it separate from your checking account so you don't accidentally spend it. Putting it away and, uh, you know, separating it, it's good for, I guess, just to not, you know, make some mistakes and pull from it. Number six, use new money to fund your account. Ooh, new money. What's new money, Andy? (laughs) If you want to speed up this process even faster, find some new money that comes into your life and save it all. So here are some examples. Tax returns. That's new money, right? You weren't expecting it or it's surprise. Take that, throw it all towards your down payment. Sell some stuff on Facebook Marketplace. That's new money. Any bonuses or commission checks or, you know, if you're, you know, if you receive an inheritance, that's definitely new money and money you weren't expecting. That's the whole point of this. If you get that new money, and you've planned ahead, you make a conscious plan before saying, hey, any new money we get over the next couple of years as we're saving for this down payment, let's throw it all in our savings so we hit our goal even faster. Number seven, transfer spending to cash back credit cards. Spending with credit cards instead of cash definitely comes with risk, my friends. They're, they're definitely making a lot of money based on people paying their bills late and it can be dangerous. But as you said, Rachel, you are pretty good at living within your means. So if that is the case, I'd suggest signing up for a cash back credit card like Capital One's Quicksilver. That's one that I have. I get 1.5% cash back on all my purchases. And lately, I've just been starting to get checks in the mail over and over again. And that's nice to get random checks (laughs) in the mail. And it's just based on our current spending. We are, you know, budgeting our money out ahead of time and we're putting our bills on those credit cards. And then when we receive that, we get a, we get a cash bonus. And if you sign up with them and hit their $500 minimum spending requirement within three months, you're going to receive $150 cash back as well. So free money is pretty nice. It might be something to consider. If you don't feel like you can handle having a credit card and you're going to overspend, then don't do it. But if you are living on a budget and you got control of your spending, then go for it. Nicole and I have used this quite a bit and it's helped us to get some cool vacations and helped us to hit some of our other savings goals. Number eight, use visual motivation to help you hit your goal. Now, if your home down payment savings goal lasts for years, your motivations may be going to like wane a little bit, maybe fade. You're going to be like, oh man, we've been doing this forever. That's why it's important to keep that goal front and center in your life. So print out a picture of your dream home and attach it to the fridge. That way you're reminding yourself of your goal on a daily basis. When you're tempted to move away from your plan, that picture that's right there on the fridge is going to keep you focused. You can also use a chart or like a goal thermometer. Have you ever seen one of those where, you know, like a sales goal people are trying to achieve or, you know, a savings goal. You can color it in each week or each month and you can see that goal rise and rise until you hit the goal. And it could be a fun thing for the whole family. That way you're all working on it together. Number nine, make sure you factor in all other costs of home ownership. So your home mortgage, the one you're saving up for, for the down payment, it's only one piece of the home ownership puzzle. Don't forget about these other important costs like your electric bill, your gas bill, your water bill. If you have to pay for trash pickup, home maintenance and repairs, 
lawn care. Are you going to cut the lawn? You're going to pay somebody to cut the lawn? Are you going to have a service to spray the weeds and all that stuff? You know, these things can be forgotten about when you're talking about buying a new home. Also, you're going to want to think about those one-time expenses as well. Closing costs when you buy this house. That's a lot of money. Updates to the house when you move in. Nicole and I bought our, our home in, what is it, 2013? And we're like, oh man, this thing's completely done. We walked in, we're like, well, maybe we want to update this closet. Oh, maybe we need to, you know, repair this, update that. It starts to add up, thousands and thousands of bucks. And then you also want to factor in furnishing the home. If you're moving from something that's slightly smaller to something that's slightly bigger, you're going to have more stuff in your home. So think about all those costs because when we forget about these important costs, that's when the credit card debt can start to take over, right? It's super easy just to throw that stuff on a credit card and say, oh, pay it off later. But then the majorly high interest starts to take over and you're, you're back where you started, man, right? You don't want to be back at square one with some you know credit card debt. All right, the last one here, number 10, get a 15-year mortgage. Owning a home is awesome, right? It's your place to relax and raise your family and just make some great memories. Home ownership is even better when you're not paying a mortgage anymore. Take it from me, my friends. Paying no mortgage is a lot of fun. So let's make a plan to be mortgage-free in the future by getting a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30-year mortgage. You're going to pay your loan off faster and you'll even get a lower monthly interest rate. By going with the 15-year, you are going to be setting yourself on a path to be mortgage-free a lot quicker. All right, let's recap the 10 simple steps to help you save for your home down payment. Number one, create a savings goal. Number two, develop a budget. Number three, decide how much you can save each month. Number four, reduce your joyless spending. Number five, automate your savings. Number six, use new money to fund your account. Number seven, transfer spending to cashback credit cards. Number eight, use visual motivation to help you hit your goal. Number nine, make sure you factor in all other costs of homeownership. And then number 10, my favorite, get a 15-year mortgage. Rachel, I hope these 10 steps help you get your down payment fast and eventually the house of your dreams. If you have a question like Rachel or Adam, please contact me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Andy Hill MKM. That's at Andy Hill MKM. Or you can leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to help you on your journey to financial happiness. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only, especially our friend Adam earlier. Make sure you seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. My friends, I would appreciate it a lot if you could take two minutes out of your day to subscribe to the show, rate it, and review it in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It's a great way to say thank you if you've enjoyed what I've put together today. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Tony Robbins. You either master money or, on some level, money masters you. It's time to take control of your money, my friends. Carpe diem! 